Hello, and welcome back to a brand new edition of the Alligator Sports Podcast. Like always, we'll be updating you on everything in Florida Gator athletics. But then we have very special guests as well to discuss the women's basketball season and the one-year anniversary of when COVID-19 put a stopping to all sports in the NCAA. My name is Jesse, and I'll be your host today. And uh, with that being said, let's get into my favorite part of the show, the weekly review for everything Florida Gator sports. Alright, so let's get right into it with number six baseball. They are 10 and 3 after going on a four-game win streak over the weekend. They beat Florida AM three times in a row. First game was 10 to 2, second 5 to 1, third was a shutout, 8-0. And then uh yesterday on Tuesday, they beat Georgia State by a score of 5 to 1. And the win yesterday was actually head coach, or I should say manager, Kevin O'Sullivan. He became the all-time win leader in Florida baseball history with 557 victories. And then going into the SEC tournament tomorrow, uh, men's basketball, it doesn't really have momentum on their side as they lost their final two battles to uh, Missouri by two points. That score was 70-72. to 72. Trey Mann had a good game. But then in the final uh, regular season game, uh, they lost to Tennessee 54-65 to 65 in a back and forth, but Tennessee came away with the final run and put a cap on the season. As for women's basketball, they didn't quite have luck on their side either. Uh, they won the first round of the SEC tournament over number 13 Auburn, 69-62, but they lost the second round against number 5 Kentucky. Unfortunately, that score was 64-73, to but Kiara Smith, a.k.a. Kiki Smith, had 19 points against Auburn and then 36 points in a great game for her, but the loss against Kentucky. And then uh, with that being said, on to softball. Their season is still going strong. They are 14-1 after a very impressive run. Uh, they beat New Mexico State March 3rd, 6-2. And after that, they beat Florida State in a shutout win, 5-0. But then, unfortunately, the one loss of the season came against the number 16 Florida State Seminoles in a close one. That final score was 5-2. And then as for soccer, they uh, played against Florida State over the weekend in an exhibition, and that was a nil-nil draw, uh, a.k.a. 0-0. As for gymnastics, still perfect on the season, still number one. They beat Alabama by a very slim margin. Florida had 197.425, and Alabama had 197.225. So 200th of a point there, uh, victory for Florida. And as for tennis, they are still on a roll. Uh, they beat Georgia 7 0, and then they actually beat Tennessee as well on Sunday afternoon 5 2. Unfortunately for the women, they can't follow up with that. And they actually lost to Georgia 1 4 on Friday, and then they lost as well to Tennessee on Sunday afternoon 2 4. And that will do it for this week's weekly review of everything Florida Gator Sports. Let's take it back to the main show. All right, and now that we're all caught up on Florida Gator Athletics, let's get into our next interview. And that is with a uh, person that was here for uh, the disappearance of college sports, really, uh, when the COVID-19 pandemic really struck 
the sports world put a halt uh, to not only pro basketball, but NCAA basketball, gymnastics, tennis. Um, every spring sport was shut down, canceled, and wasn't able to play a championship. So I was able to sit down with a person named Kyle Wood, and he is the former sports editor for the Independent Florida Alligator. And he had uh, quite the experience of when of that day of when sports shut down. This is our conversation about that. I'm sitting here with Kyle Wood, formerly of the Independent Florida Alligator. Kyle, how are you doing today, my man? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Nice, nice. Okay, awesome. So good to hear. So, uh, so Kyle, just tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, what do you do now? What did you used to do at the uh, at the Alligator? Yeah. So uh, right now, I am a writer for Fresh Take uh, Florida. I am a senior. I'm graduating in a couple months, which is uh, scary. I in the fall, I was the editor in chief of the Alligator, and um, I've since. Uh, left the alligator, but last um, spring, which is the reason that we're talking today, I was the sports editor of of the alligator, um, and I had covered some stuff before that: football, baseball, this, that, the third, all that. Nice, awesome. Uh, so, speaking of the reason we are here today, uh, this week is the one year anniversary of when pretty much every college sport stopped. Every honestly, pro sport came came to an end pretty much until basketball came back with the bubble. You know that story. Blah blah blah. Um, so Kyle, you were on the staff for the Alligator. I was uh, actually back home in Orlando, um, so I was not really here for when uh, the Gator shut down. So, if you if you just could, Kyle, just kind of take me to that day and where you were, and what was the first thing that came to mind, or what or what was the thing that told you that all sports were stopping? Yeah, so it really it was crazy because things were just coming out like hour by hour. I remember. Um, I want to say it was the day after NBA had shut down when NCAA um, was just kind of releasing stuff day by day. And I think the Gators was play at like maybe four um, that day, whatever it was the, the 12th, I, th- I, I, I think it was. Um, and I remember the first game, the SEC tournament had been played the night before. And then it, it just kept, things just kept changing by, by the hour. And I remember um, it was, it was primarily me and, and, and Joseph Salvador is another, um, former alligator uh, staffer just writing sort of like updates like NCAA indefinitely postpones um, you know the tournament and then they canceled all the championships and I was like well what does canceling championships mean does that mean that the rest of the regular season games are going to be played and then no championships because that doesn't really make sense and I remember it got to a point where like we kept just updating the story and I was like too much even changed in this story to even like make it an update I would just be rewriting the whole thing so we we're just coming up with it with new um, stories. I was actually looking at some of the old papers from last spring um, the other day, just because I knew, you know, we're coming up on, on the anniversary and seeing some of the like front page stories, even from, you know, late February that said like UF monitoring COVID and, and it, you know, it's, and it just seems like, and, and, you know, sometimes it wasn't even on the front page and now obviously it's front page news <laughs> every day and it has been for the past year. <laughs> right. So what was, uh, what was your, favorite stories to, to come out of that like madness on that day would you say was, was there like a certain sport that that, that like stuck out to you um I, I guess on a, on a more personal note I uh ended up writing a story about uh baseball because uh the baseball team started 16-0 I think 16-17-0 
um, and they lost to FSU. They uh, only play them in midweek games, which I think is funny because they're such, you know, like usually midweek games are a little, they don't mean less, but, you know, they're generally like, you know, having a series, you know, you play your Georgias, you play your, your SEC schools like like later in the year, but but um, they, they, they lost to FSU for the, like the first time. They were number one, you know, looking like, you know, the favorites, and then they lost to FSU, and everyone knew last year was the last season um, in the MAC, uh, the, the old baseball stadium, and then I, they were they were actually starting um, SEC play that weekend, and I remember, like, like also part of those updates, it was just, we're going to postpone a, a series against Georgia, you know, it's going to be no fans, and then we're going to, like, postpone it again, it's going to be two weeks, four weeks, whatever it is, and then, you know, no game, so it's like, and, and I, I think, like, it, I mean, I didn't think of it immediately. It took me a couple of weeks, but I was like, well, that was the last game at the MAC. Like, I'd, I'd love to, write, like, you know, write about that. And I actually hadn't really been writing that semester. Um, I, I didn't take a beat as editor, um, but, I, but I did have a baseball press pass. And I was like, I was thinking of, like, starting to go to games, just splitting it up with, with, with um, our writers. I think it's Dylan and Joseph that were covering the team um, in the spring. And I just never even got to go to like like what was in my head, like you know, the, the, my final game covering there. Um, but I was able to write an oral history. Um, talked to Austin Langworthy from the Gators baseball team. Talked to a couple FSU pitchers. Talked to some fans that were there. Talked to some reporters. Um, so I I really liked um, just writing that story because there there was a really good um, quote from uh, Nick Delator from uh, Gator Country. He said. It's like you know, just just put it all into perspective. You know, you're number one, you're you're, you're top of the world, top of the college baseball world, um, and then FSU comes in and, and, and beats you in your own stadium. So that's not the way you want to go and bulldoze the, <laughs> the stadium. And, and you know that's what happened. Now they're playing in a great ballpark, but um, right. just you know, like I mean, it's been there for a while, and they had some emotional you know memories there, and that that is one. But they just didn't know it in that night. You know, they thought they were gonna play like. 40 more games that season and, and that, just, that just never came that's the, that's that's actually really cool but um so so kind of take me a little bit back so where do you recall like exactly the spot where you were when like everything got shut down like where were you at a restaurant were you like on your couch at home i was right here i was, I was sitting at this desk i was i was on my laptop sort of that whole day and you know that became my spot for the better part of the next year um, just as, as updates came in, I had, you know, tweet notifications on that whole day for, you know, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, the SEC account, NCAA, March Madness, and just kind of seeing the updates come in. And I think that is, that's just my biggest memory from all of it, because obviously the NBA shutdown was a lot more abrupt, I think, than college sports were, you know, saw the video, you know, the video a couple of days ago, a year ago, from Rudy Gobert touching the mic and stuff. And then I remember that night, you know, I, I have like tweet notifications on for Shams, uh, Charnia, and um, and and Woj, and then said the NBA season is is, is suspended. Wow. And I was like, wow, and I think like that was the night like Tom Hanks tested, like it was just like all this news came, and then it was like, well, what's college sports gonna do? And and a lot a lot of people wrote sort of after like how disjointed the response was and how that pointed you know a bunch of holes in college sports. But back to I guess where <laughs> where, where where I was um. I just really, I, I, was, I was, I was sitting right here and I, and I think I, I did know that was, you know, I, I, I came to understand that that was eventually what was going to happen. And I, I just think it's funny now that people, so many people reacted like, they're like, you know, this is just such an overreaction. We were actually supposed to send um, writers to the SEC tournament 
um, in um, Nashville. And I, I, I actually, and, 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 we, and we chose not to, um, I actually was home and not at the office that week because I had been at a conference for spring break, um, a journalism conference in New Orleans, and two people had tested positive there. And we got like an email that people, and it's funny because back then, you know, we thought that was the end of the world that two people in a thousand had tested positive. And, and you know, as summer wore on, I think we, we just became normalized to 5,000 cases a day in Florida and, and, and more, but, um, you know, it was, it was also new. So I was like quarantined from the office. And I think we only met in the office like once um, after that, just for, for that, for the alligator office and really have very sparingly been in since. Um, but yeah, I was, I was sitting at my desk, you know, that whole day as, as the, as the college sports news came out. And I remember I was sitting on my couch um, downstairs uh, when the NBA season got canceled. And I, and I just was like, I mean, I what. I, I, I don't have like one thought, I guess that's that sort of like, it, it was really just like, wow, but also, you know, kind of kind of makes sense. Like, you know, all, all the sports leagues are, are, are doing this. And I think like even, I think the Warriors either were planning to play without fans or or, 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 or did maybe for one game, but, but it just made sense that, you know, to, to stop. But, but also I think the plan was to, you know, stop for two weeks, you know, three weeks and then get under control and it being so much longer than that, so. It was, um, and, and then, you know, I was sports editor with no sports. Um, you know, we wrote, we wrote some columns. We had like, you know, we did some series, like the best game I ever went to. We did, we did, we had to do some more enterprise stuff, but it got very hard to fill a paper, um, you know, with no, you know, game stories. Um, right. It was a lot so, of columns. <laughs> so tell me, tell me kind of like a little bit about that, that first <laughs> staff meeting. I'm like, I'm guessing that Sunday, like, so you're like, oh, so uh, by the way, guys, sports are done uh like we don't really know what to do so what was your guys' game plan was it like well we need yeah. to attack this this covid thing like like with like as many stories as we can yeah so uh we obviously wanted people to write about like like some news stories as much as they could um on the on the sports side of things um which i think some more of those came out as we went um i did like the oral history story some people wrote some inside stuff on you know like like softball being canceled um peyton did a good did a good job um, with with some stories like that and just whenever there was news you know if um, players were named to you know the all SEC team this or that or, or, or things like that but um, we sort of divvied up writers to help out um, news staff because we're like there was just such a big flood of news with and it's funny just looking back again because it was just like there was you know five Kobe cases in Alachua County and that was like oh my gosh we need you know all hands on deck and, and that was a big deal at the time but it's now we've just become normalized to it but we um assigned like like writers to different news desks university um and metro and digital and just um said okay you're going to be working with this editor if they need you to help you know report this news story you know that's pretty much just going to be about covid that's what you're going to do and then um i i forget if, if i came up with the idea or if someone else came up with the idea but i wanted to do um some series because i did see um stole the athletics um sort of uh idea that they they were doing like the best game i ever covered the best game i ever went to and you know they have much larger staff than alligator staff <laughs> but we had a, we had a pretty good big staff with 16 people on it so we were just writing stories every couple of days um i think we did uh i, I allowed people to do best game I, I ever covered um just like from you know your experience um you know as, as a journalist or best game you ever went to as a fan 
Um, and, you know, some people wrote about, you know, some, some I, I think we got a really good mix of games. You know, it wasn't all everyone's favorite game was, you know, the, the Auburn football game. You know, like we got, you know, softball. We got, you know, this gym meet. You know, like I, I wrote about an Auburn football game. I went to the Auburn Clemson. It was, you know, before I even went to college. But that was just like the, my best fan experience. So I think it was, um, you know, just like more like personal you know, anecdotes and, and, and things like that. And that was the best way to fill the void um, for a while until and it, it was hard to even get access to, um, you know, athletes because everyone was, was home, you know, there was no mandated media, you know, appearances and things like that. Um, it was, it, you know, it was, it was a tough time for, for sports writing. And because of that, you know, a lot of sports writers weren't really writing about sports. They're writing about COVID. Right. I mean, that's, yeah, that's unfortunately how it, how it ended up for uh, a lot of people. But um, so, but take me a little bit into uh, the student life, because I'm sure you were, you were very affected by that. Um, and did you, I'm sure you got the email that like, hey, classes are, are, are done, you know, go home if you can. Um, what was your situation there? Were you, did you yeah. stay in Did you go home or? Yeah, so I had actually already been sort of quarantined from my classes too for, the, you know, I think the day or two that that felt like like a lifetime but just because I knew I had potentially been in contact with someone who tested positive and that was at, at the time was such a rare thing and still like um you know if that happens obviously people um stay home and quarantine and get tested and stuff like that but um I had gotten an email me and the other you know eight or nine people who had went to the conference um got an email from the dean of the journalism school um and just said you know please you know stay home while we sort of like work with this and monitor the situation and you know just isolate my roommates hadn't been there but um so I was trying to you know isolate from them as best as possible um so I had sort of been prepared for that you know slightly more than I guess saying it when it, say we got that email on Wednesday or Thursday by Monday or Tuesday I'd already I had already been sort of you know isolating um just just in my apartment and so I because of that I did stay um in Gainesville for a couple weeks after we got the email to um sort of stay home because I there was not access um to to tests here at least you know the free testing and, and quick testing that we, that we have now um so i just wanted to make sure that i you know didn't develop any, any any symptoms or anything knowing i had um come in contact with someone before going home and then i stayed there um for the rest of the semester and it's it's funny because it's hard now to even pinpoint when the spring semester ended because it, it just felt like summer started in march but it wasn't really you know, a great summer, <laughs> you know, by, by any, you know, like you, you think like, oh, yeah, I, I remember, you know, taking like tests and stuff and, you know, we, we did like, you know, zooms with the, with the alligator staff, um, you know, just to stay in touch, but also, you know, for meetings and stuff like that. But um, I, I think my, like it really just going home at that point and then staying home and having been home like two weeks prior for spring break, really just like messed with my whole like you know concept of time <laughs> I think everyone's has been altered at least in the past year definitely I think we've all gotten used to uh certain habits of staying inside and and whatnot I'm, 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 I know I have I've become much more of a of a homebody I'm like oh I don't really want to go anywhere or do anything <laughs> but here's what it is but uh hey man Kyle I know that you are a working man and you and you have a busy day ahead of you but thank you so much for hopping on the show it was awesome hearing hearing your stories my man yeah, th thanks for having me on, Jesse. Have a good one, man. Of course, you're, you're always invited back on the show if you ever want, want to talk some, some Florida Gators sports, man. But, awesome. uh, but uh, yeah, thank you again, and uh, we'll take you back to the main show.
All right, so I am sitting here with Gretel and Griffin, both of the women's basketball beat writers for the Independent Florida Alligator. And uh, we're here to talk about some of the uh, highlights and lowlights about the 2021 season for women's basketball. So, guys, how are you How, how are you guys doing today? Doing good. Happy to be here. Well. Yeah, happy to be here, too. Sweet. Happy that you guys could join the uh, fourth, uh, fourth episode? Fourth ever episode of the Alligator Sports Podcast. So, Let's get right into it, guys. Uh, we saw the uh, SEC tournament this past week for Florida basketball, uh, women's basketball. And so let's talk about the first game uh, between Florida and Auburn. Florida actually won 69-62. Incredible, you covered that game. Uh, what went right that game? Yeah, so the Gators really stepped up. Um, Lavender Briggs, as we know, she's out for the season with a leg injury. Um, so a lot of Gators stepped up to make up the scoring that they usually get. Um, to be fair as well, Auburn wasn't really the best, like the team in the best shape. Um, they had not win, like won any conference games. Um, so the 69-62 end result, when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, is not really the best look for Florida. However, a lot of scorers did step up to help um, Kiara Smith, who usually just takes the burden of the scoring um, in Briggs' absence. And even before then, uh, her and Briggs combined for at least 50% of shooting in a lot of games. Um, so essentially, Smith, she's a senior, and you can really tell she wanted to stay in this tournament. She wanted to win. And Cam Neubauer had said it before um, in different game uh, post games that Kiara Smith really wants nothing more than to win. She doesn't care about how she scores. She doesn't care about her personal record. She just wants to see Florida um, get better and improve and win games. And I'm glad personally that she got that win to kind of kick off her, uh, or like end off her senior year. Um, but essentially, Daniel Rainey stepped up during this game. Jordan Merritt stepped up during this game. Um, Christina Moore also stepped up during this game. But the highlight of the game was still Kiara Smith. Um, and one moment that to me really stood out and to the announcers who were at that game as well, um, was Kiara Smith's like left-handed floater that then became a right-handed floater. And like seconds later, she made another three. So she easily topped there like with eight points, which was very impressive um, for everything that, or for the type of player that Kiara Smith is. Um, so essentially they later advanced to the next round, but this game really like, it really showed how all these players have been stepping up continuously in Briggs' absence, especially like Faith Do, Nina Ricards, and how they're contributing to those like sprints of offensive heat Florida has in certain parts of the game. However, we still see like a hot and cold dynamic for Florida's games. Um, they still allow way too many points, defense struggles. Um, and that's something that we saw against Auburn, which was a pretty low tier team in the conference and something that wouldn't have happened if the defense stepped like right off the bat and, and produced the way that they should have. Nice. And uh, so what was the team's energy after the game from what you picked up? Uh, did they seem ready? Like, did they seem ready to take on the entire conference pretty much during the tournament? Yeah. So actually during the post game, Smith was one of the players who spoke and you could really tell even though she was wearing a face mask that she was like very excited. You could tell she was smiling, like the way that she answered questions and gave quotes, you could tell that her voice was shaking from excitement. 
So she was very like she was very much looking forward to taking on conference play, and unfortunately, now we know that's not really the way that it went after uh, their subsequent loss. But um, it really showed an energy that we had lacked the whole season, um, where we we usually only saw it from Smith, however, and Briggs as well when she was um, around. But um, other players, you could tell, were excited when they made the shots that you know they could make that they usually wouldn't take. So they really did take those shots and they made a few of them and it showed that they're good players. They just need to start stepping up more. Yeah. And uh, so going into that, so the next game was not even 24 hours later and it was versus uh, usually SEC powerhouse of the University of Kentucky. Uh, Griffin, you covered that game. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't the same result as the Auburn game. They lost 73-64. Tell me what you saw from that one. Yeah, so Florida hung in with Kentucky for a while. Kentucky, a ranked opponent. They have, obviously, Ryan Howard, who Coach Neubauer called the uh, National Player of the Year without a doubt, in his opinion. After the game, she dropped 27. Um, Kara Smith dropped career high, uh, career high 36 points, but it was not enough to help Florida over the edge as she actually scored a majority of Florida's points. Aside from her, they shot 12 for 40 from the field and just one for 11 from three and sub 500 from the line. So, I mean, really the fatigue kind of settled in on day two, like you said, quick turnaround. And Neubauer mentioned that in a post game too. He said, you know, kind of one of the issues was it was really just fatigue from the rest of the team Besides, obviously, Kiki, you know, going off for 36 and 9. The rest of the team just wasn't there. Nina Ricard, she played all 40 minutes, but she only shot 3 for 12. Only 7 points. She was the second leading scorer that game. And they didn't get more than 5 points out of anyone except Faith Duke, who dropped 6. Um, so, yeah, I mean, ultimately, Ryan Howard and that Kentucky offense was just too much for the Gators. Yeah. It's it, it was uh, pretty pretty rough to watch. I mean, you I mean at first you, I guess uh, there always was a chance for Florida. Uh, you know, for of course it's a new tournament. Uh, for every March, whether it's a national tournament or a conference tournament, every team has a chance to get in there, make make the upset, no matter who it is. And uh, of course, you know, I was pulling for Florida a little bit, but. It was disappointing to see, but uh, let's let's take a little bit of a step back and kind of get more of the larger picture for the team, and really try and figure out what what went wrong. Uh, so Florida finishes with a below 500 record of 11 and 12. Uh, I'm sure that the SEC record was not that much better. Uh, so let's kind of take that step back and see what kind of went wrong for Florida in the big picture. And Greta, let's start with you. Yeah, I'd say the main issue with Florida, aside from defense, is the over-reliance, at least this season, on Smith and Briggs. Um, it was a consistent problem where Smith and Briggs were expected to shoot crazy amounts of points that usually you wouldn't rely on one player or two players alone to do that. And I know like a prevalent idea in basketball coaching is that you need three scorers to like have good offensive like. Um, background or like a good offensive like level um and Florida is just failing to find that third scorer so it's usually like Briggs and Smith in the 20s and everyone else either in the zero or the low like three four or fives and that's been a consistent problem throughout the entire season just that over reliance on Smith and Briggs and when they get swarmed by players from the opposing team and they don't make those shots then 
you notice the dent in Florida scoring from one game to the next. And I feel like that's an issue that for the next year, the coaches really need to focus on getting their players who can definitely make those shots. And we've seen after Briggs' absence that they can make those shots. You need to make them confident enough to take those shots and not over rely on Briggs um, since Smith is graduating. And this is probably her last game as a Gator. Uh, Griffin, from your perspective, what do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree with what Greta was saying about the over-reliance on these two guards. Um, once Briggs went down, she went down February 11th at LSU. That was her last game. They won that. And then after that, they lost five of their last six games down the stretch. And the game after, they played Kentucky at home, and some players stepped up. Um, Danielle Rainey, who came along as kind of a three-point specialist towards the end of the year, she scored 20, which was a career high, or she matched her career high that game. Uh, made six threes, and Nina Ricard stepped up with 19. Um, that was, she matched career high, too. And then we kind of saw some inconsistencies from then on. So down the stretch, you know, Ricard's would, she shot three for 12 in the last game, and you just, you got these hot and cold streaks where, again, you know, you're looking for that, especially without Briggs, they were looking for that third scorer initially, and now they're really just trying to find a second scorer behind Smith, and they really couldn't find it. Right. And I mean, in general, like whether it's men's or women's, basketball is a five-on-five five game, and you, you definitely need to have that reliant on just more than the two people. Sure, it's nice to have those two stars to lead the way for those twenty points and you know fifteen rebounds the whole game, but you still want want the three or four or even the center to to step up and take that job. So my next question that leads into that is. Could this possibly be turned around and be blamed on like a coaching situation possibly? Because, I mean, for a coach, maybe it is their job to kind of rally the rest of the five people on the court to step up and and take that role. You know, what do you guys think, Riddle? Well, obviously, I I wouldn't say like right off the bat that it's just purely a coaching thing. It may as well be that way. Um, It could be that the coaches are telling them like pass the ball to Briggs and Smith there you can make the shots they have the scoring percentage like make sure that they have the ball and that they can shoot it um and it could just be like players are not being developed properly and I feel like coaching does play a role there however I think that this season has been way too limited in the way that we interact with coaches and actually get to see like that firsthand for us to definitely have an opinion or a strong opinion like that right um but I do definitely think a part of it has to do with coaching and it could just be maybe Cam Newbauer isn't the best coach for the Gators. Maybe he'd be better off somewhere else. Maybe an assistant coach would be a better fit. Um, That's not something that I'd say I have too strong of a take on, but um, I I do think some of these issues are ultimately like coaching issues to some extent because the, the players rely on the coach for development, for guidance. And I feel like there are some players that are still very reluctant to take those shots, even though they can make it, even though like after Briggs, some of them did step up. Right. Uh, Griffin, what do you think about the coaching situation? I completely agree that it really is on the coaches to kind of develop these players once they get here as recruits out of high school. And you just haven't seen that with that many players behind Briggs and Smith at this point. Um, and obviously they lose Smith, so they're going to have to really start developing these new young players pretty soon. One thing that I noticed on the stretch was how Neubauer – Really, in the post games, in his interviews, he kind of looked deflated down the stretch of the season. Like, so how so? He, he wouldn't give that quality of like he wouldn't give 
really long answers kind of he gave a lot of grief kind of just especially after that last loss I mean you could tell just on his face like the look on his face he was so disgusted and just so just in the gutter that he couldn't even he didn't even feel like answering questions at that point wow um so I mean it'll be interesting how to see how these new four recruits that come in so they lose four seniors but two of them really didn't even play they really only lose Kiki and, and Daniel Rainey and they bring in four new players who are supposed to be talented players from what it appears. Um, so, we'll, I mean, we'll see how he kind of goes about this offseason and really starts to incorporate those players in, into the uh, into the lineup. Right. Um, is there anyone that's returning that you guys are looking forward to that, that to t- maybe take a starting spot that they uh, weren't before? Uh, Griffin Griddle, either one. <laughs> I feel like a player that could easily, or two players actually, that could easily step up and make up for defensive losses would be um, Ricards for sure, um, and Jordan Merritt. I feel like both of them can make the shots, and we've seen it. Um, they've both been very good. Like whenever they have the ball and shoot it, they've made a good amount of like offense for the Gators. And I feel like if we develop that, or like, if the Gators. <laughs> if the Gators develop them properly, um, they can definitely be um, almost to the level of Akiara Smith, who, um, as we know, only really like came out of her shell in the last year and a half. She wasn't really the Kiki Smith that we knew this season before. And I feel like it takes time, and that is a part of it as well. Um, but they're both two players that definitely have talent and depth and can use that to make up for scoring losses with the loss of Kiki Smith. Yeah, I think um, I definitely agree. Nina Ricards is definitely a huge piece. Um, obviously, they lose two senior guards. They're going to need to replace that position. It'll be interesting to see how Briggs returns from this injury, but I think Ricards is definitely a special piece in that offense. She'll definitely play a ton of minutes next year. Um, I think Jordan Merritt and four tuners, too, are a pair of freshman forwards. Sorry, rising sophomore forwards now. <laughs> um, but they're definitely going to, I think, get an expanded role in this offense. You saw down the stretch once um, Briggs went out. Merritt closed the season with – she had it 12 and 16 in back-to-back games before the SEC tournament um, where she played 30 and 28 minutes, scored 9 and 4 in those games, collected 7 and 5 rebounds. So she's – I mean, she's been a force on the glass down the stretch here uh, for the Gators, and I think – Bryn Farrell's another one. Actually, she was a freshman guard this year. She'll be a sophomore next year. But um, she saw some increased minutes towards the end of the year, started making some some baskets. But And I think, like I said, you know, this freshman class that's going to come in is going to have to make some some kind of impact um, and really provide some depth to this team next year. All right, right on. So uh, the SEC tournament is still going on for women's basketball, and then following that will be – the national tournament, and I'm guessing the Gators are not invited to that. No, unfortunately. <laughs> it's, well, there's always next year. And speaking of next year, do you, uh, Griffin, I'll, I'll bring this question to you first. Do you think the future is bright for Florida women's basketball? You know, I hope so. I hope so. Um, <laughs> so they signed a Danish um, guard, Alberte Rundahl. They signed a, another guard out of Louisiana, um, high recruit prospect, Dariah Warren, and they get twins from Fort Lauderdale who actually bring some uh, high-level championship experience. They won three state championships in high school, um, but they're a pair of 6'3", um, 
power forwards slash centers. And they're going to bring some size to this team that's definitely must needed. Nice. Okay. Uh, Cardone, what do you think? Yeah, actually, um, when you ask this, the first thing that came to mind is this conversation I had in love in the breaks a while back. Um, right around the time after her injury, um, I scheduled a time to speak to her and we talked a little bit about like the injury and um, what she hopes to see from Gators basketball, Gators women's hoops. Um, and one thing that she told me is the story of how she ended up in Florida and I didn't know it. I don't think it's like been spoken about anywhere, but she told me that um, when she was in the recruiting process, she made a visit to Florida and she walked down this hallway where they have like all these plaques for each sport. And she was looking at all the championship dates and then she gets to the end and she sees women's basketball and she's like, wow, they've never won anything. And in her mind, what she thought was, this is the moment that I think I want to come to Florida and make sure Florida gets that conference championship. So wow. Bricks has really big goals and she feels that she could be a very good player in a mediocre uh, basketball program and get it to a stage um, where it's a lot better than it was when she first came in. So she feels like in a way she can build the program. Um, and that's actually like what made her commit to Florida. She had other visits um, scheduled right after that and she canceled them because she committed to Florida on the spot. So Neubauer got a really good player just like that. Um, so we really have to see how this future class comes in, but we also have to see the type of energy that Briggs has from the beginning of the season if she's able to just like hit the court right away. Right. Well, I mean, I, I hope she does. I mean, I actually didn't hear that story before. That's actually really cool. And uh, and maybe one day she will do what, what she wants to do and bring a championship to women's basketball. But that unfortunately can't be this year. It will have to be hopefully next season. But um, with that being said, Griffin and Cradle, thank you guys so much for joining for the segment today for women's basketball. Um, I, I wish that we could have you guys back on for, if the season was still going on, but unfortunately not. But uh, you guys are always welcome back on, of course, just, just in general. But uh, we'll take it back to the main show. Thank you guys once again. hope you guys had a, a great time. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> All right. And back to the show, Jesse. All right. Awesome. So uh, that was a really good segment uh, about the – All right. Awesome. That was an awesome segment with Gretel and Griffin. Uh, they're really talented writers for the Independent Alligator for Women's Basketball. Uh, they'll probably have lots of more stories to come out uh, about the next year and how women's basketball will shape up at UF. But uh, we can only stay tuned for that. But on that note, let's move on to our other sports and let's get right into our weekly preview for Alligator Sports this week <clears throat> for Florida Gator Athletics. All right, all right, all right. And so let's do it. The preview for this week in Florida Gator Athletics is going to be a pretty packed one. Men's basketball is actually going to start their SEC tournament tomorrow, and they will be waiting for their opponents. It'll be either Texas A&M or Vanderbilt. They will be awaiting the results of that game, which I believe is going on today. And as for baseball, they actually moved up to number five. They'll be hosting Stetson University on Wednesday night. That is tonight, depending on when you're listening to this. And then uh, after that, they'll be hosting a three-game series against the Jacksonville Dolphins on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then following that will be a standalone game against Arch Rifle Florida State on Tuesday. 
and then on to softball who's been doing very well they only have one loss they are at the number six ranking in the nation they will be playing kennesaw state tonight on wednesday night for a standalone game and that that will be followed by a three-game series against the kentucky wildcats and that'll be in gainesville as well as for soccer uh, they will be hosting georgia southern tomorrow thursday uh, depending on when you're listening to this again and then uh after that, they'll be traveling traveling to Orange Beach, Alabama to take on the Louisiana State Tigers and a neutral ground site. And then volleyball will be hosting a number 25 Missouri Tigers on both Friday and Saturday night. That will be at the Stephen O'Connell Center in Gainesville, Florida. And then moving on, last but certainly not least, the number 10 men's tennis team will be on the road after defending the Swamp twice, two weekends in a row. Uh, They will be traveling to Mississippi State to take on the Bulldogs, while the women will stay home in uh, in Gainesville to host the Missouri Tigers. And then the men will continue their road trip on Sunday, travel to uh, Old Mississippi, and then the women will be hosting the Arkansas Razorbacks to try and bring themselves back to a 500 record. And that'll do it for this week's sports review. Let's take it back to the main show. Well, all right, that's going to do it for me and this edition of the Alligator Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for sticking out this far in the show. Hope you enjoyed it as much I as much as I enjoyed making it for you guys. And uh, we'll be seeing you guys next week with even more reviews, even more previews, and even more fascinating guests to talk talk about everything Florida Gator sports. And with that being said, my name is Jesse, and I've been your host today. And I'll see you guys next week.